You want anything clever to say at the beginning of the clever. second? No, I'm just going to go into it. Okay, fair enough. You come up with a clever thing later. We'll come up with a clever thing. Okay. Oh, just probably publish it live. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Perfect Commotion, Episode 7. This week, there's just me and Dave, and we're going to be talking about stuff. Woo! What's interesting to note about this week is that me and Dave are actually in the same room with each other. Listen, we can high-five. Uh, yeah, usually we do this over the internet, so despite the fact we live in the same country, we usually... Work in the same office. Yeah, yeah, we, <laughs> we work in the same office even, but we usually go home to separate houses to record this podcast. So, right, this is going to be Episode 7. This is going to be fresh, new and cool. And uh, Dave... What should we talk about today? Oh, well, I think uh, we should be talking about Mad Max. Uh, I think we've both seen it now. Uh, yeah, yeah, I saw it up in uh, uh, Aberdeen with Sandy. 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 Yeah, Sandy. Okay, yes. Yeah, so, what's your opinion on Mad Max? Um, I caught you in the middle of a gulp then, didn't no, I? I did. I did. <laughs> mm, tonic water. Uh, yeah, Mad Max was pretty cool. It was, um, I don't know what to explain. There was lots of explosions and there was lots of very angry people. But apart from that, it was very cool. And it was... Uh, it's, it's almost like they out-Michael Bay Michael Bay without being a massive douche. Completely different style of explosions. They never went with the pretext of, this is going to be an actual movie. This was like, we're going to have a car chase that's going to last an hour and a half. <laughs> have fun. <laughs> no one complained. <laughs> well, if you go in with that mindset, it's a really enjoyable film. Yeah. 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 Um, I know some friends who went in expecting a real movie. They were disappointed. I, I was expecting a Michael Bay shit fest, to be honest. And I am actually incredibly pleased with what I got. Okay, let's start with the story of it. So, um, the story is some guys run away and some other guys try and catch them. That's pretty much it. Uh, I would add that she, she pretends to drive a car from one place to the other and then she drives it to a third place instead and everyone gets a bit confused. So for a while she's got people chasing her, but the people who's with her are just driving along. We'll be chasing here in about 10, 15 minutes once they cop on, but they are just happily going for a road trip, which I found hilarious. Yeah, it was a nice uh, start to the film, actually. Like, there's one bit where they come down and go, we're being chased, and she's like, oh yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's just keep driving. <laughs> yeah. It had a very uh, subtle element of telling its story and its character development. Compared to a lot of other films which shout about, this is a character, they've had a moment... Oh, I don't know. There was that one point where they go, what are you looking for? And she replies with, redemption. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I was feeling more about uh, Nux and how he's... To me, he's the main character of it all. And it's, it, this whole film's about his uh, development hmm. from hmm. a uh, brainwashed... Uh, Hooligan. Yeah, to a normal, normal person. Yeah. And yet they, they don't really tell his story. They just let it happen in the background. To an extent. I, I dislike how he's humanised from the very beginning. I think it would be better if he was a grunt from the very start. Because there's a bit where he's he, he's dying and he needs blood. All of the boys are dying. That's the thing. They're well, all, he's, all, he's more imminently dying and that's why he's getting a blood transfusion from Max. And that's why they bring Max along. Which I suppose could be a reason why they bring Max along. Yeah. But it also makes him seem weaker and it, it, it separates him out from the rest of the hooligans early on as somebody, a character of interest. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I'd agree with that. Um, but you got to do that with your main character. No, I suppose. I suppose. Um, the half the reason was all of the uh, 
warrior people, boys, whatever called, are all dying of something or of something or other. And they're Usually all looking, cancer. yeah, and they're all looking for uh, an early death to send them to Valhalla. And he's just uh, more imminently going to die from Barry and Larry with two tumors yeah. on his neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, um, his story is told where he uh, he changes his mind about wanting to be a brainwashed to go to Valhalla, and then falls in love with a woman, and then kills himself for that woman and to save her. Yeah. And yet, this is all told. Apart from the killing himself, it's pretty much all told. I'll, I'll, I'll say, say sacrifice, because yes. I think killing himself has a different aspect to it. It's like he, he physically pulled a bullet to his head. No, he didn't. He drove a truck into a wall yes. to, to collapse some rocks. And uh, the, the bad boys throughout this thing, they have this belief where if they die after spraying shiny spray paint into their teeth, they'll go to Valhalla. Mm, I, this shiny, I think the shiny spray paint is more of a drug to oh, yeah, uh, yeah, allow yeah. them to overcome their fears of death in that moment of time. And take their pain away so they can uh, actually carry out the deed. It, I think it does have some religious aspect to it because they always go about shiny and chrome. But I don't know whether the sort of the the false religion where they've set up the leader as their god. I don't know whether they've they've come up with the chrome aspect so that they spray their paint with, mouth with paint, or whether it's the opposite way around. I mean, it could just be this is what we do before we kill ourselves, so it's become part of our religion and our mythos. But um, yeah, he does fail to. Do his task five times. Is it by the end? It's a lot. He's not very good. And these are these are five things. five occasions where he's consigned himself to death, and he says, "Look, I will do this, even if it goddamn kills me, and I won't stop until I'm dead." And then he just fails miserably five times, and that's part of where he has his breaking point. And he's like, "Well, I'm obviously really shit, and I'm never going to get into heaven." Well, so. um, I forget what the main like baddie guys, the main father, whatever his name of the um. Breath mask is, but he sees him fail that last time, which broke breaks him because all the other times, he, no one knows about his failure but him, so he can deal with it. But he got seen to fail by his god, and so he's lost respect for in sight of his god. So I think he that also helps push him to breaking point. Hmm. But um, as a story, it's just an hour and a half car chase with some spit. Spectacular yeah. stunts. I like how the big bad wasn't really a big bad. There was some sort of grounding aspects to him. So he was trying to rescue back his treasures, read sex slaves, whatever you want. And he ended up... Um, he's breeding women. He's trying to get them back. And then there's bits where they use their bodies to block a killing shot otherwise to other characters. And I liked how everyone sort of obeyed this idea of they had to try and save them. These weren't these maniacally evil people. There were people who had this one goal they wanted to do and they would achieve it by any means possible. They were evil. That was very explicit, but they weren't just sort of evil for evil's sakes, it seemed. Yeah. They uh, they didn't want to kill these women just to punish the people yeah. that stole them. They were actually there to save them and the punishment will come later. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair enough. Should we move on? Was there... What else do we want to talk about? Well, in Mad Max, one of my favourite things about the film is actually all the practical stunts that were used rather than the uh, CGI that you're seeing in modern f- films. Oh, yeah. They actually went back to the old stools. Oh, we were talking about this earlier on and we stopped to not ruin this podcast. Yeah. But I was saying, I don't know whether you can, con- you can praise movies for not using special effects or whether you're just saying special effects aren't there yet and people who do use them aren't oh. just over-enthusiastic about them. I think it's a bit weird to say that, oh, it was nice that he didn't use it, because 
ideally he would have used special effects if they were good enough. I, but what's better than some, like, if you want to see someone jump, oh, yeah, you, no. you see them jump by making them jump. There's nothing more realistic than seeing someone no, jump. I, I, so I, why... I get that aspect. So CGI, but having, having stuntmen do a task, or even actors doing tasks, and having CGI do tasks, to me they're the same if the outcome is the same. If the outcome's not the same, then they're different concepts. So I, I find it weird how people seem to idolise, oh, they didn't use special effects in the scene. As... Well, they did use special effects, but um, having people do mm. it just ends up with a better mm. final shot than CGI could ever... Well, modern CGI techniques can bring around. Oh, I think that's... Sorry, you can hear the deco in the background. Deal with it. Um, mm. No, I think it's just the... The the uh, the idea that something is better for not using CG the CGI, but people seem to idolise it in a way that even if it would look just as good, I'm glad that they didn't. That's the sort of tone that I seem to hear a lot of people talking about, especially with I, these I, things I like think the Matrix. It, I think it's because modern films have hmm. have moved very much into the realm of let's use CGI for everything. But yeah, and it does hurt films at the moment with the quality of CGI. You can tell. I think people using it as a drop in replacement, but I think films like um, Kung Fury would not be as good if they didn't use CGI constantly. The Almost the entire movie is CGI'd. They only had one policeman's outfit for the whole thing, and there's a scene where there's like ten policemen walking around an office, so they filmed ten different people wearing the same outfit doing mundane tasks and composited them into the image and then composited in desks over the top of them so it didn't look like somebody was typing in midair and actually they were typing in something. But I think I think there is a way that you have to use CGI to make it effective, and you can't just use it as a drop-in replacement for actual stuff happening. Yeah, I think for modern films, very much, they've just used it to allow them to do bigger things they could do before, and it kind of got silly in some. And a lot of the CGI ends up in a very uncanny valley style, mm, and mm. you can always tell, and it breaks your immersion. Yeah, and. The good thing with using real people is, especially actors, they can do what they're trained to do and act when they're doing it. So, especially the one with uh, Tom Hardy's character upside down, like when he's strapped, hanging on the side of the um, one of the cars, he's upside down, head like meter two mm. meters, like from the floor. Like, if someone tried to CGI that, you'd lose all of that yeah, acting yeah, talent, yeah. and that is. Bad for the for industry. Hmm. Um. I think it's something to think about. I do think people idolise not using CGI a bit too much. No, but I, I, I get, I get that not using CGI can look better and give you better end result. But it's the mere fact that people seem to idolise over using CGI for situations where CGI would probably give you better result. I think there are some situations, like the Matrix slow mo scenes. I think you needed to use CGI to fill them in. Especially with the, that glee, the scene where the helicopter smashes into the glass. Yeah. I think if they'd actually done that, it would have been a bit pants. CGI is good to um, no complement practical yeah. stunts, but it's been used too much in modern day to as a replacement. And you can see that in... But, but people seem the, to say like... Um, the pre, all the prequel Star Wars. Um, in the, the original series, they had hundreds of actors in hundreds of different outfits. 
And you can really tell when looking at um, going back to the prequel Star Wars is that they didn't do that. This it just doesn't look as good. But with the prequels, isn't part of the problem that they recreated the scenes that people really liked, and the pe- scenes that people really liked were the large war scenes and the lightsaber battles, which they and had... then they recreated and they overpopulated them and they expanded on these, and they needed to use CGI to expand on them. And wasn't isn't that part of the problem, and not just that they use CGI instead of having real actors? Because to be honest, I think if they made the sequels and didn't use CGI, there wouldn't be that much of an improvement. But but by by not using CGI at all, you're falling into the same trap. You want to use them both in moderation, mm-hmm. and CGI is good to complement it, but it can't be the be all and end all. Um, because I think they had like one stormtrooper outfit in the in the prequels they had made. One out of them all. There were a lot of them, though. And they did things like jumping out of spaceships. So? <laughs> and the rest of the people in that scene had to be CGI because they, uh, they, the, you, you can't have anima- those animatronic robots, I don't think, could have been animatronic. And I don't think the yeah. jar jumping family could have been real people. So I think it's just an inherent part of what they were trying to do. Also, have just you... the CGI. Looking at the original Star Wars' updated versions, I have no idea which CGI Jar Jar Binks in some of them, CGI in the cantina scene with the CGI singer, and it's they're just it breaks the immersion because you can tell it's not real. And compared to all these great costumes in the background, but when Star Wars was originally released, it had loads of flaws to do with their special effects, like you could see the 8080s through the snow speeder structures, so half its charm. And the CGI just... I'm starting to see a double standard here. You, you lose... Because it's, because it's tech wizardry, it's not cool. No, but because they actually... There's no charm in using CGI. Um, I think there is, in certain situations. I, I don't... There... I disagree entirely. Hmm. I don't know. Well, I, CGI I think... is a cheap way to get... To do special effects. And it in almost all scenarios, it leads to a worse film. Hmm. I don't know. I think... We we haven't really got good at doing CGI yet because CGI is moving so fast forward. We've got Snow good. Frozen was quite good for that, but I think we are. It was very cartoony. No, did you see the animation test for it? it Incredibly was sti- realistic snow, but it was still very cartoony. Not the snow. The yeah. people in it were, but the snow was quite good. It was very cartoony. Not the snow. Very cartoony. But um, no, I think that we're, we're hitting a point where we can't use it, and I think. I always feel like people are just glad that they didn't use CGI because they've seen CGI done a bit badly at the moment. And not using CGI has this uh, weird and natural praise and you hear statements like, oh, he dared not to use CGI. And it's that sort of practice as if he's done something daunting or special or magical. Or by not difficult. Using it. But d- difficult is the standard question. But if he'd use CGI and it was pants, he just I'm sure if he threw enough money at it, the CGI would come out looking quite good and would be quite useful. I think there's something good about doing practical effects. I don't think there's anything magical, which is my problem. But we've we've been on about this long enough, and I think we should we should probably move on to. Um, do you want to talk about Destiny for a bit? We haven't really spoken about that. We, yeah, we've not spoken on Destiny, even though we're both quite big players of it. Mainly because Sandy and Nick don't play it, so we always thought it was a bit. Uh, well, excluding them. Well, by Sandy G played it. Yeah, Sandy played it. Yeah, Sandy doesn't. Um, but yes, yeah, so, well, I feel a bit bad talking about just Destiny how, uh, as, a, as a game, because I think it's been too late for that. But I think we can talk about the new expansion, which dropped last week, two weeks ago? 
Yes, uh, yes. We can talk about bits of it. I still haven't played all of it. I finished the story because I'm in the process, still moving in the process of moving. And Dave's been without internet for a while, so he's uh, catching up. A bit antsy. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, we need to. Uh, yeah, we can talk about that. But it took, so uh, let's talk about things that went wrong in Crota. I think. I think my problem with Crota was the the storytelling was they had entirely new concepts brought into Destiny. And then they strung them together to make a storyline. And it felt very much like it was an expansion pack. I know I shouldn't really be saying that, but I felt like there was a lot of the previous lore that was sort of half ignored or sort of like oddly tied together. Uh, especially in ways that weren't very obvious. And the Destiny has a big problem with the lore. As in, it's there, it's incredibly detailed, it's incredibly good. Well, yeah, but they don't but tell anybody about it. But it's very inaccessible. Yeah, yeah, and that's its problem. Um, but it, it it is there and it is very good. But so for no one who for the people who really don't know, you, you can't actually access the law in game. No, and you can't access it in any sensible way. You have to look at individual cards. So you go, I want to find out about this person. And you have to go through the game, acquire that card, log onto a computer, find the card, and look at it. But if that card links to any other card, there is no connection. Yeah. Ever in the game, <laughs> the main problem with this is like, oh, I want to. You said this person. That'd be great if you had cards about that person. Yeah, you, you don't. don't. You just mentioned like fifty times. Yeah, um, you have cards about weapons. So like, um, one of the weapons is the last word, and that mentions um, Dresden Yor a lot, and it talks about him. And it's the only place to really um, find out about uh, him. But he's mentioned on lots of other cards. But there's no easy connection. It, it feels like they're trying to obstificate yeah, their, um, their lore and only there for people who want to dig a bit deeper. And I we, mean really dig. I mean, even if you look at wikis online, wikis online aren't any good about this information. You really have to go for somebody who explains now, the story about this person and trust they've actually got sources. Yeah. Now, they've done a similar technique in um, old, old Halo games with terminals. Yeah, yeah. And... You could access terminals in the game, and it, it sometimes would take you out to Waypoint, but at least you clicked on it, it took you there. Yeah. Even if it had to open up something else for you to do it, it still did it on the console. But like, you knew what the Halos were in the game. Yeah, Halo had a lot better storytelling. You got the concept of what a Forerunner was just by playing the games they're Forerunners. It has a lot of problems with telling you its story. It's got a great yeah, yeah. story, and well, not a story, it's got a great lore. Because there is no real story. I think they fixed the story and the lore bits in the House of Wolves, though. Because okay, not the lore, the story. You know the deal. The spoilers. I think the bit, the stories as well. So a bit, a bit, of the story in the House of Wolves is the House of Wolves escape from prison, and then they go to the Vault of Glass. Which, if you played the Vault of Glass, you get that the concept of time is there, and you get some other some very weird and dangerous things there. The House of Wolves don't escape from prison. They portray the Queen. Oh yeah, they betray the Queen, and they break some of their people out of prison. I thought because the Silent Fang were imprisoned. I thought they were supporting. They they sided with the queen, and then they betrayed her. But some of them were imprisoned because there was a war. They were at war for a while, and I think the reason they decided is because some people are in prison. Okay, I think you can see the problem. we have both played this game quite a lot, and yet we don't know but, what's going on. But anyway, the, they, <laughs> they betray the queen. We both agree on that. And yes, I, definitely. I thought somebody broke out of prison and then stopped the betrayal. But anyway, they betray the queen, break some people out of prison, and then they go on an adventure to try and gather up all the fallen to fight you. You stop them at every single front. And then they end up going to the Vault of Glass, which you know is about time travel. 
because you've been there and you've been through the fight and you get sent through time and you fight some monsters that can erase your existence record oracles and you find them meddling with these things and building giant contraptions around them which is pretty weird stuff I mean they are still entities that you don't know what they do and they seem to be magical but the mere fact they're meddling with this you're just like uh, what's going on? Yeah, it, it, it's really interesting. It, it, it ties... One of the big um, pillars they were trying to do in building Destiny was they they wanted to build a world that they could um, then in later series not recreate, but tell stories in places you know, people you've heard about. And, people and, you yeah. know. and that's what they did exactly. They took you back to a place you've been before. They've taken the story from there, the um, experiences, and... and told a new story with them and it, it, it worked, worked really well really I got well. the storyline I got what they were trying to do and the point where they well we'll leave the big finale spoiler for everybody but that was a really good bit in storytelling and I think that's one of the few moments I've had in modern gaming that's been still at the front of mind there have been other like, sections and things they've done but just that one moment where you copped on to what the plan was yeah. and you're like oh god because it's not in a cutscene like Destiny has like four cutscenes yeah <laughs> And they're all and they're unskippable, so they're all terrible, and we know them line by line, and they they annoy the crap out of you. So this is done like in game with someone talking to you, and then you see what happens. You're just like, uh, this is this is awesome. And anyone who knows Destiny, they've got rid of uh, Dinklebot. Yeah, he's, they have he's still there, game. but he doesn't talk to you. And he's got no new lines in the game. They put back his uh, wizards from the moon. I did hear about that, uh, which is uh, is nice. I thought yeah. it was one of the better lines in Destiny, but they removed it because apparently it was too silly. Yeah, in Destiny's Alpha, there's a bit where you, you're going up some stairs and uh, Dinklebot says to you, The wizard, he comes from the moon! <laughs> which is just a great line. And um, yeah, that was in the Alpha. In the Beta, they removed it. And then the actual release, it was gone. And people didn't like made fun of this line all the time, but because it was removed, people hated it. And there's been big uh, online discussions about why they did it and all that. But now they brought it back, and now you have that great, great line from Dink- Dinklage. So overall, we like Destiny. Dave hasn't played the later bits like nope. Prisoner of Elders. I have. I think they, they add a lot to it. I think the, the strange modifiers are quite good fun. Nothing yes. is quite so fun as this time having to bunny hop around the level because you do more damage when, you, when you're jumping. And you, yeah. do, you do notice it. It's not like 2% difference. I think it's a fair difference because you can it's see the speed. Thirty-three percent increased damage, I think, which is hilarious. It also means you can't use accurate weapons. So yeah, everyone so, equips auto rifles and just hops around. So these uh, modifiers we're talking about—they're—if you played Halo, they're a bit like skulls, uh, but yeah. they're randomized. And you have you have similar ones, but you also have really ridiculous ones, like you do more damage when you're in the air. Yeah, there, there are boring ones like primary weapons do more damage, or fire damage is increased, yada, yada, yada. But yeah. there are silly ones which are quite good fun. I like the ones which uh, your grenade refills really quickly, and it's just like, woo! Yes, <laughs> yes. I, and I think for like an MMO-style game, I think changing up the gameplay is very useful because unlike other MMOs, you can't, you can't really have systematic bosses. Systematic bosses are very hard to do because you can't see what's going on. Yes, uh, your, your sight lines become bad, and you couldn't do a lot of the mechanics that other MMOs do in raids. It tries, but the one raid, one mechanic I tried was just impossible. I think the biggest problem is they've got a weapon called the Alahorn, which does stupid amounts of damage, and no matter what structure you put around your boss, people would go, okay, well, if we can kill it 20 seconds, then he doesn't have time to do his mechanic and we can just sit here and blast them down in 20 seconds, and that's so easy. And that seems to be the accepted way to do difficult things in the game, which is annoying as somebody who doesn't have that weapon. But and also, 
Yeah, especially because Destiny relies on the fact of a random weapon drops. Yeah. Um, there's one way to get good um, known weapons, that's buy them each week, but you can buy one a week and it's randomised. And Yalahorn hasn't come up, so... Has it not come up since? Oh, okay. So uh, there's a large percentage of the player base which do not have the most overpowered weapon in the game. There are some other weapons that are overpowered. There's the Icebreaker, which is a sniper rifle that refills his ammo. Which basically just allows you to camp. Normal sniper rifles don't have enough ammo to allow you to sit in the corner of the game and it, shoot something from afar. The, the icebreaker just allows that gameplay, and it feels a bit. I wouldn't ever. I wouldn't call it overpowered. I call it very versatile. But because you still can't take a boss down in twenty seconds if you all train oh, on it, no, no, um, no. it still requires you moving around and using it. But you can use it more, which is really nice. Unlike Galahorn, which. If you all fire well, at your boss quickly, he's dead. I was just saying, it allows for some cheatier strategies than oh, definitely any yes. other weapon in the game does. <laughs> yes, I'd agree. Which is, is a small problem. So overall, like we both like Destiny, we both played a lot, but I think there are lots of wrong things. And I think we both agree there's a lot of wrong in it I still. I don't know if I'll buy the Comet unless I see some magical changes. I probably will. I'm probably going to because I really like the game. I find it really fun. There's a lot of problems in there. But uh, what it comes down to is... When I come home, if I want half an hour of fun, will I get it while playing yeah, Destiny? Fair, it's, a, it's a good fun game just to gather that around and shoot things. And does it have a bit more in-depth if I want to play it for four hours? It does. Yeah. Um. So it's a game that always seems to bring me back. And I will definitely play, be playing it more in the future, especially when I get my internet, because I still haven't played much of the new expansion. It hasn't been any of the Prisoner of Elders, guys. None of the Prisoner of Elders. Grumble, grumble, grumble. <laughs> Anyway, should we uh, should we call it off there? I think it's a good place to finish. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, next time, next time, it should probably will be probably be me and Nick doing it as Alan's away on more training courses. Yay! Um, hopefully, we'll get Sanshi there. But if not, we may get another special guest. Yeah, we do have a. I do have a few people who who will kind of want to appear as guests on the show. So maybe we'll get those out of the way before we try the new format. Well, we do I... have a new format to the show. We won't talk about it in case we make some changes to it. But we want to change up how the show is going. Uh, prob- it was very fragile probably... before. Give it two more episodes, and then we hopefully fix our format down and uh, have re- become slightly more regular. Yeah, yeah with yeah. this. So anyway, yeah, find us at perfectemotion.co.uk. I'm on Twitter at Octavius404 uh, at Levity Dave, and uh, we'll see you when we see you. Bye. Bye.